0: Welcome back to part two of this conversation continued with Lennox Takura. Here we go. So let's dive into some of the experience you've got shifting gears here from launching and founding an NFT project. And so I want to talk about like from a marketing perspective, what worked well, what didn't work well, what we learned because I was part of the team as well. I say was, I'm, I'm part of the team, um, in <laughs> launching Satoshi's index and like bringing that to market and, and growing a community. And then also from a technical perspective, what does it take to actually set up an artwork reveal and build a smart contract and have a website where people can connect their wallet and mint a project. And some of the more technical things that for somebody who is either a marketer or an artist, it's easy to say like, Oh yeah, I just need to build a smart contract and add some utility to it. But like, what does that actually, from a technical perspective, like What does that even look like how do you even do that hey are you interested in marketing community building nfts and crypto social media and the metaverse it's all moving fast and it's easy to be overwhelmed no one knows the future and no one knows exactly what the intersection of these things will look like my name is mark robinson and i do my best to break it down as we connect with leaders in the space and figure it out together thanks for listening as we laugh learn and lean into the future of digital marketing so let's start on the technical side what does it take from a technical standpoint to build out a NFT project and add some utility to it?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So there's a, there's a few different ways you can approach um, you can approach that. Right. I'll start with the least complicated, uh, and then transition over to the more complicated options. So the least complicated way really would be to just set up something on an existing marketplace. Uh, Like OpenSea, LooksRare, Rarible, Maker's Place. There's so many of these marketplaces that already exist, and some of them are easier to are have like an easier onboarding process for creators than others. But they make it very simple uh, to, you know, if it's like an art product that you want to start selling, to just really upload pictures, define your royalties, um, and yeah, really. They they make it out of they make it plug and play, right? So I would say, depending on what exactly a person is trying to launch as an NFT, right? Uh, certain things are going to be easier than others. If it's just a picture, because you can literally just experiment by taking a couple pictures and you know uploading them to one of these uh, marketplaces and then setting like a an auction or like a straight buy and defining all those properties but i would say that's like the easiest way obviously right if you want to take it like a step further what a lot of big projects and what like what we did as well at satoshi's index is essentially creating your own marketplace right it's it's your own website with minting functionality and all that but they they call that a marketplace because it's uh it's like a portal where users can come in and gain access to a large pool of NFTs or, or these tokens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it's not rocket science. Like, there's, um, there's a couple of new technologies you would have to be familiar with or find have someone on the team that's familiar with them. But at the, at the surface, it starts with a website, right? You just would need a, a responsive website written in something like React, uh, which is what we have. And on that website, there's, there's you know, outside of just your usual, you know, you want your information and the content and whatever copy is going to best describe the project, you will want a wallet connect feature because the primary way people interact with, you know, marketplaces is through uh, wallets. And for us, because we are an Ethereum project, which, again, is another thing you would have to decide what chain you want to launch on, pros and cons for each, uh, I don't think we'll get into the nitty gritties of of which (laughs) chain and why you choose that. But um, we opted to go with Ethereum uh, just because it is just super recognizable by the majority of the people we were targeting. And the developer community is just deep. There's so many resources for that chain. Uh, and i'm a big ethereum fan so you decide the chain you want to launch on that also would then impact or influence the types of of wallets that you can support we opted to be a metamask only uh, project because um, it's it's just a really solid product there's a lot of there's a lot of technical depth behind it and the team behind it is very solid. And the majority of ETH projects um, leverage MetaMask. So you would integrate some form of, of wallet connection uh, mechanism on your website, which allows people to interact with your smart contract, right? which is the next technical piece of the puzzle. So for those that may not be aware, a smart contract really is just a piece of code right it's like it can be one long script or it can be a series of like uh scripts written in for ethereum written in a language called solidity so before i started this process again i'm a i have a background in computer science i'm a software engineer but i'd never written anything in solidity so even for me when I would hear things about smart contracts and I hadn't really taken the time to understand what a smart contract is, it was like this giant black box that was very intimidating mm-hmm. and just seemed out of reach. But when you actually start to get curious and Google, what is a smart contract, Google examples of smart contracts, you realize it is just, it's just code in, in language that's not even that complicated to read or write. Um, so that is the, that is the next piece. And that piece, I would say, it's it's important because you're, the smart contract is essentially where you define all the mechanics of of your of your of your offering, right? Of your token, the price, you point it, you you essentially point the code to where your art lives and where the metadata is, which is the next piece I'll talk about, as well as like the auction me- mechanism. Are you if you're doing like um, a Dutch auction, for example, where it starts at a certain price and then the price decreases over a set period of time, all that kind of stuff would be defined in your smart contract. If mm-hmm. you're doing a whitelist where a certain set of like wallet addresses gain access to the contract before anyone else, that would be put in there. You know, so like you re- the smart contract is really the meat and potatoes of your of your project so you want to make sure that one is like written well either by a really good solid developer or company or if you're well versed in solidity um yeah it's like the the really most important piece and we can talk about that more later if you like but um after that um
0: and on that just to press pause real quick i think there are some and I don't know if you if you're familiar and I'm not like super familiar with this, but I think there are some that exist today where it's more like it doesn't require somebody to know code where you can kind of point and click and build a basic version of some of this stuff. Right. Like you don't have to be like that. You said it's not that intimidating. I am not a computer engineer, don't have a background in writing any kind of code. Right. And so it does. It still would be intimidating for me if I was going to go write a smart contract. Um, But there are also some like more attainable ways to do it that are. Probably easier to do, but also you're probably more limited because it's more cookie cutter, um, where you can create a basic smart contract with like drag and drop, almost like a Wix website kind of a thing where you can just, you don't need code to build this website. You can just plug in pieces. Does that exist?
1: It does. It does. So I'm not paid by these people, uh, but I'm going to drop some alpha for anyone listening that is interested in going down this rabbit hole. There's a company called Third Web. Uh, so T-H-I-R-D and then web. If you just Google third web NFT, uh, they'll pop up. They have done an amazing job. Like, like they're, it's, it's top notch. done an amazing job of creating, it's as close to a plug and play solution as you can get for launching NFTs. So hmm. it essentially does what you just described where it allows you to write a smart contract and do all these things without actually writing a single line of code. Um, I would say there's a little bit of a technical barrier to entry because you actually have to understand the core components of how all these pieces of the puzzle come together. But um, yeah, definitely take a look at them cool. because they they're they're doing an awesome job. And um, I haven't spent much time on uh, this project's uh, site, but there's another one called Manifold. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're like behind a lot of Uh, what a lot of, I think it's like a developer toolkit or something like that. But I know they also come in there and uh, substantially reduce the amount of time it takes to uh, launch contracts onto a blockchain and things like that. So those are two that I would suggest people research if they're interested in going down this path themselves, and are just curious and would like to learn um, about how to do it themselves.
0: Yeah, awesome. I don't know what I cut you off from to ask that question, but.
1: Um oh yeah, we were talking about the technology. So the next piece really is just the the actual art, right? That one is subjective. It kind of just depends on what kind of project you're doing. Obviously we've seen a lot of generative art projects where you know, uh, you essentially have a script, usually in Python or something, and uh, a, some base la- some base layers of art and basically multiple layers of art that you point to the script and the script randomly stitches those things together. Right. So it's, that one's pretty straightforward. I think that's super played out and um, that's going to, we're going to see like an end to generative art collections soon because it's just been, it's been so overdone, but that's the last component, right? Where you have to kind of figure out what kind of art you want and that lives on a storage server somewhere. And that storage server again. All of this is uh, is pointed to by your smart contract. But in a nutshell, I mean, those are the pieces that um, right. that really go into making an NFT. It's not rocket science.
0: Yeah, cool. I think that was a good that was a good thorough breakdown on a more technical side of things. So that's definitely helpful. So looking at from a marketing standpoint, curious to hear your perspective. And you're not a marketer by trade, right? But Having launched a project, you definitely were super involved in all things marketing and community building, and that whole aspect, like super involved in everything. So, curious from your perspective, um, what do you what do you feel was the most effective in bringing an NFT project to market? What did not work, and what worked well?
1: I can quickly tell you what did not work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think anyone can claim to really have a bulletproof playbook. Yeah, there are people with playbooks, sure, mm-hmm. and um, I think we're kind of writing that story as we uh, go along. When I say we, I mean the collective community. But um, I, I, I don't think we're at a place yet where we can say, follow these three steps to market your NFT and guarantee that it sells out. Like that's 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 a lie, right? Yeah. Um, so what did not work. We, um, we invested some capital into Twitter influencers, right? Because with this big wave of NFT projects that were coming up, one thing we kept hearing was hype. There has to be hype. There has to be hype. Uh, and we saw that, right? The more hype, the quicker the sellout and, and all those kinds of things. But um, we also saw that be like a, a double-edged sword because we saw a lot of rug pulls in this space because of hype, right? Because of celebrity endorsements because Mm -hmm. of influencers reposting something on Instagram, someone retweeting something on Twitter, the mass is flocking, not doing research, minting something and then seeing it go to zero. So that space um, of influencer marketing, uh, even though it really continues to be the most talked about thing in the arsenal uh, for any NFT marketer, I really think we're we're at a place now where the old days of just anyone with a blue check mark co-signing a project and then it immediately selling out. I think we're we're going to see an end to that at some point, but within that, I would say just if if you have access to actual thought leaders with actual followings where people actually listen to what they say, but they're very pertinent and very relevant. They have integrity and they're in the space, right? Um, I think that, you know, I I don't think we'll see that uh, aspect of influencer marketing ever go away because there's a reason brands continue to invest so much into influencer marketing. Uh, But I I would say just having relevant influencers uh, who actually have a true community of people that listen, but then people with integrity, people that aren't sellouts who would just do anything for the money, mm-hmm. I think that will always be successful. But there's no reason you know, a crypto or uh, some yield token thing should be having Paris Hilton or some model reposting their NFT on Instagram. right? That should already just be red flags. Um, so, yeah, we saw like some mixed results, I would say, with like the influencer route. Um, the things that did work, uh, even though they didn't, we, I wouldn't say they worked at scale, um, were things like Reddit, actually, because we are a more technical project, right, utility focus that sits kind of squarely in that like DeFi, SaaS space. Um, a lot of the people we wanted to reach, they, they live on Reddit, right? So we uh, put out a lot of uh, thought leadership pieces on uh, some some of the more popular cryptocurrency Reddit subthreads. And um, we saw a good amount of traction. Uh, we saw a good peop- amount of people coming through uh, from that. And from a marketing standpoint, that is I don't get. I don't think it gets any more targeted because when someone reads through an entire article where you've explained what you're doing, and you have a call to action, uh, which is come into come and join our community, and they follow through, you've already established so many like relational ties with them, right? They're like a little bit more emotionally invested in whatever it is you're doing, right? So I think more organic, uh, more organic methods like that where you're delivering value first and then making your ask. Um, I think that in any form of marketing, I, I think that will always kind of stand out as opposed to just like shilling and shoving things in people's faces. So
0: yeah, hundred yeah, percent just to chime in on a couple of those things. So when it comes to influencers, I think the people who have a relevant and bought in community that can actually add value in the same space, right? Somebody that, knows their stuff about crypto and is looked at and respected as a thought leader in this space. They're an influencer, but their endorsement on something is extremely valuable and is great marketing, but that's also much harder to get than somebody where it's like, hey, if you send me an ETH, I'll promote your project, right? And they don't care what the project is or who the company is. If you're gonna send them some money, then they'll do it, right? And so low barrier to entry, but the effectiveness is way down. Versus somebody where there's a high barrier to entry, because if I have a lot of respect and influence in the community, I'm not just going to take on any and every project. You can offer me a hundred ETH. And if I don't believe in the project, if it's not a good project, I'm not going to attach my name on it because that's a blemish on my record moving forward. And I lose trust with my community and that's what you've built up. Right. And so. I think the right people are very selective on projects that they'll endorse. And so that's where building relationships with the right people, it comes down to relationship because if there's no relationship and there's not a quality project behind it, then marketing doesn't really matter in the first place, right? Like probably shouldn't be marketing it. Um, But then influencers that are, sometimes you can get some like some eyeballs on something from somebody that you just send money to and, and people will look at it, but it's not, not super effective. So, um, and then on the the Reddit piece, I think like we saw, we saw that work really well. Right. And we provided a lot of thought leadership in those articles, in those pieces that taught people, Hey, here's And it, it wasn't like a bait and switch thing either, which is what I want to clarify that. It wasn't like this whole thing that, that the, it turned into just an ad, right? Like it provided a lot of value okay. to your point where it's hey, you can use this tool if you want. And this automates a lot of stuff or you can do it yourself. Here's exactly the playbook on this strategy that we've found to double the return of Bitcoin if you were to invest in this way. And here's the algorithm and here's all these learnings. So you're providing a lot of value that somebody could take and duplicate the strategy that you spent hours and invested a lot of money into developing through Satoshi's index. But it's like you didn't shy away from a call to action of, hey, if you want a way to automate this and something that's simpler and kind of like, unwrap the box and you've got it, then check out Satoshi's index. If you want to do it on your own, invest the time, energy, resources, and effort to do it yourself. Here you go. Here's the ready-made solution to go. So, um, yeah, I think it was done in a tasteful way and that was a valuable way to do it.
1: Yeah. And that's a super awesome call out there. Uh, I think anyone who's listening this, listening to this, yeah, definitely search for (coughs) Satoshi's index on Reddit if you're more curious about what that actually looked like. But yeah, that's a great call out in that, it wasn't some overly, it wasn't like a bait and switch by any means, but it was like a thorough breakdown of how we're doing this and how you can do this yourself. So we did take the risk, right. That someone could go and replicate this themselves. Someone can take the idea. We actually had a few comments in, uh, in, in some of the articles where someone was like, this is good inspiration. I'm going to, I'm going to take this and run with it. You mm-hmm. know? So it's like, all right, cool. Maybe they become the next competitor. You know, that's cool. But, um, I think it also helps inspire confidence um, in the community uh, as we're as we're building it out, right? Because people want to know that there is no secrets. Like this, this is there's transparency, and yeah, at the end, if you want to automate this, we've already done this for you. You can do it yourself, but we've already done it for you. Join our community. So I, I don't think that's like it's not overly salesy, um, right? So and I think just to oh, yeah.
0: to add on to that too, I always. Default to taking the approach of being generous and open-handed with stuff. When you're putting out content, I think there are, there's kind of two trains of thought of like, okay, I'm going to, I learned something. I'm going to keep this to myself. I don't want other people to know this. I want to hang on to it so that I have this information nobody else has. And then there's another train of thought, which is I'm going to just give out all this information freely. And if you want to take it and steal it then like go for it. It's like, if you're a, home repair company, you can teach people how to do all this stuff on their own, and then you're giving away all your secrets of how to repair your house, right? But at the same time, if they, if somebody starts to do it and they realize how much actually goes into it, who are they going to think of when they need to call somebody? They're going to call you, right? So you could look at that and say, oh, I'm not going to give out all the secrets of how to fix these things in your home because I want them to hire me to do it so they can't do it themselves and they need me. Or you can say, I'm going to give them everything. And if you want to do it on your own, great. But if not, let me know if I can help. And I think that is a way more effective way to do content marketing and put out information. And I think people appreciate the generosity behind it. And like, it's not a, it's kind of an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. Right. And so giving people access to everything, and that's exactly what, you know, you did with thought leadership and stuff there is like, give them the, give them the secret sauce. And if they don't want to take the investment and do it all themselves, then they're going to come to you when they're ready for, you know, to actually hire somebody to help them automate it and save time and energy and do it right.
1: And like just one final thing to summarize all of this on marketing. Uh, if there's the one thing I can throw out is it's relationships just is, is everything in this space. Uh, something I learned uh, towards the end of the project before it's right before launch. And i wish I'd learned this sooner. Uh, it's uh, it's easy to get sucked into the rabbit hole of just building, especially for a project like ours, which is super focused on utility, right? our Our mantra or our mission was we want to deliver utility starting from day one, right? We want to show people that this is the standard. We want to set a new standard for what it means to be an NFT, right? You mint it and you actually start benefiting on day one as opposed to... Some future date to where some game is going to come, or some—I don't know—some some roadmap, uh, some future utility, right? And we we kind of got sucked into that rabbit hole, and we got tunnel vision. Um, and my—if there's one thing I would change, if I had a time, if I could go back, if I had a time machine, is I would have started investing in relationships. Uh, More relationships earlier because even though this is Web3, even though a lot of it is on Twitter and and whatnot, I think uh, there's still a lot of value that can be driven by connecting with people just on a one to one basis, whether in real life or on Twitter, right? And just building and cultivating relationships so that people know what you're building, people know what you're working towards. And, um, that honestly, it, it just, re- you can reap so much fruit from, from, from that. And we've already started to see it. Uh, we started it, I probably say, I probably think maybe midway through the project, but I really should have started that even way before uh, just building and deepening relationships. So that supersedes a lot in, on the, on the marketing side.
0: Yeah. hundred percent agree. I think relationships are the are the foundation for sure. Um, just a, a couple other things that I'll I'll chime in on real quick. I think social media was a big part of it, being consistent on Twitter especially, and then we did some on Instagram and TikTok. But Twitter is the the main player. But I think having a presence there definitely drove some traffic to the Discord. It got the word out, and it also gives a lot of confidence and credibility to a project. If I'm checking out a project, and they don't have A Twitter, that's a red flag, obviously. Like, that's where the space lives. And I've seen some projects do things differently. I've got a friend right now that's launching a project and he doesn't have a Discord. He's doing it all, like, outside of Discord. And then once people buy the project, then he's going to open up, like, a a holders-only Discord for them, which is a unique approach to take. But social media, if, if a company or a project doesn't have a presence at all on social media, then that is, I mean... If I look at a restaurant and they don't have an Instagram, that's a red flag, right? Especially with COVID, that's how I found out if restaurants still existed or not. A lot of them (laughs) shut down. So I would go on social media to see, okay, is this restaurant still in business, right? And so the same thing with an NFT project. It's like if I check them out on social media and they don't exist or they haven't posted in six months, okay, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence that they're actively investing into their project and believing in it, right? Like that's a way to connect and find out about it. So I think social media was key. Um, another thing on the Twitter side is Twitter spaces. And we had some success with those. Some of those were better than others. What worked well is when we had something set up with others who had maybe a larger community like BCC, who has been on this show before. And he's the, the founder of... Uh, Ninja Squad NFT. He and actually his sister, who uh, runs all of their community building and marketing. But we had a, a Twitter space set up with them and had a few people, a few hundred people come through, and that was effective. And they're also a very crypto investment-like driven community, so it was a relevant community of people to partner up with for a Twitter space. So we found that as an effective way, I would say, to uh, engage more people and gain more exposure about the project. And then some guerrilla marketing that we found to be kind of interesting to just see what happened. I don't think we did this with any expectation that anything would come from it. More like, hey, let's try this. This yeah. could be cool. But like South by Southwest in Austin this past week. So setting up a bunch of flyers all over that have, you know, Satoshi's index and a QR code and some different things. And I think we got six, seven hundred people that that checked out the website and um, played around on there, and so the analytics from that have been interesting. And I'm not sure how many mints have come from that, or what that's led to from an ROI perspective. But it doesn't cost a whole lot to put up some flyers, and so that's kind of an interesting creative guerrilla marketing tactic that's been cool. And on that note, too, I would just say I think creativity is huge. And as we're trying to figure it out, like you said, there's not a playbook. Getting creative and finding new ways to engage people and get in front of people—it's kind of fun because there's not a right way to do things and. And this is true in in marketing in general, but getting creative and finding new creative ways to engage your audience um, is super important when it comes to NFTs and Web3 and creativity wins a lot of the time. So
1: before we leave this, can't talk about socials without shouting out my boy Mark Robinson over here. Yeah, you obviously were the biggest part in just maintaining a cohesive voice uh, across Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Uh, with our little like, TikTok experiment. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, super important to just have that presence so that people know this is like a real thing. This is like, there's people on the other end of this. And I thought it was cool too, because unlike most projects, we, you know, we had our faces, you know, the core team, we had our faces and a lot of those like assets that we put out. And uh, that really, I think it went a long way in establishing trust and those connect direct connections with people so yeah, shout out to you, man, for, uh, for just kind of leading the charge on the, on the socials and, uh, yeah, the in real life thing, man. Um, yeah, we saw that at, uh, Supermint that, uh, we were at this conference right in LA, um, where we, we sponsor, we had a booth, we got to connect with a lot of awesome people mm-hmm. and, uh, those in real life connections. I, I think those are priceless. Um, we have NFT LA coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, uh, yeah. In a couple of weeks here. And, uh, I get excited for, for in real life events, because when you connect with a large group of people that are as passionate and as excited about the spaces you are, you can really make some magic happen. So, um, yeah. even though there's no like easy way to quantify, right, the value that you stand to extract from an in-person gathering uh, when you're thinking about ROI, like, should I go to the Should I invest in this event? Um, I think it's, I personally think that um, relationships in anything, I'm learning this as I've kind of grown older in any type of business, re- investing in relationships is the biggest investment you can make. And NFTs and Web3 is no exception.
0: Yeah, 100%. Totally agree with that. Yeah, I think, I think to that point too, collaborations um, from a marketing standpoint, people are really open to it in this space. It's a very collaborative space, and people are interested in looking to co-create um, as we're all building this space and moving the space forward together. And in real life events like NFTLA or Supermint that we were at, you know, a few weeks back. Um, Those are great ways to connect with other people. And when you hear what they're working on, when they see what you're working on, it builds a lot of trust. And it can be hard to establish some of those relationships on Twitter because there's just so much noise on social media. Right. But when you are face to face with somebody and you have a conversation, it's a great way to build relationships and opens up a lot of opportunities for different collaborations. And and who knows? Right. Like who knows where different relationships that you create where that will lead as the space evolves and as our own journeys evolve with launching different projects or being involved in different things. So yeah, totally agree with that. Well, let's wrap up one final question here. What are you most excited about in the Web3 space moving forward?
1: I'm super excited for us to onboard more people because (laughs) at the end of the day, this thing is only going to move forward When more people get involved, when more people start creating, when more people realize that this is more than just a fad. So I'm excited for uh, just the evolution of the space as more people come in and recognize um, how they can make it a part of their lives. Because uh, I don't know what kind of innovation we'll see in the space a year from now, but um, one thing I do know that this is a creator's economy, like web three is literally all about creation. Like if you have an idea, if, you, if you've ever wanted to, to build a community around anything, whatever that looks like, uh, you have an open canvas, you have a blank canvas. And um, I feel like as more and more people get activated and get engaged and start building, start creating, start launching projects, right? We're eventually gonna reach this tipping point um where you know it just the wave is just too big to ignore and i'm excited because i don't know what that's going to look like i don't know what that's going to unlock but selfishly i'm excited for that because as a participant as someone who's thrown their hat in the ring right the rising tide raises all boats like i know that somehow i'm going to also like personally benefit from that but Long, long answer to your question is I'm excited for more people to get involved, to start tinkering, to start creating and mm-hmm. uh, to start building in this space because that's how it's going to grow and mature.
0: Love it. Where's the best place for someone to find you and connect with you if somebody wants to reach out or follow you on socials?
1: Yeah, so my socials are Lennox Takura. So it's L E N N O X. TAKURA um, that's you'll find that on twitter instagram linkedin <laughs> nice. um, facebook but uh, yeah uh, and uh, my website uh, satoshisindex.com you'll find our contacts there or InyashaCapital.com, inyasha capital.com i n y a s h a the word capital.com somewhere in there uh, you'll find a way to contact me.
0: <laughs> awesome, sounds good. Well, I appreciate the time, man. Enjoyed the conversation. It's kind of a extended version of conversations and things that we talk about all the time. But it's cool when one thing I'm finding, like with a podcast like this, especially with somebody that is a good friend of mine, like you, that it's a it's an opportunity to be more intentional and dive deeper into some topics that I'm curious about and you have expertise about. But we don't always, you know dive as deep as we do in an organized time like this. So appreciate you yeah. sharing and, and uh, adding value and, and contributing to the podcast today, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to kind of see where the space is, where we are uh, a year from now. But yeah, again, everyone listening, get involved. Like, don't sit on the sidelines. This is not one of those like participation things. You don't get a trophy for that one. No, no that. trophies for that. <laughs> no trophy for participation. But uh, super awesome, man. Stoked for for this podcast and uh, excited to see you grow. Yeah, likewise, man. Appreciate you.